Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm saying, like, you don't respect me. That's what it is. I don't respect you. No. I do respect you. But, yeah, we married. We don't have, we, I don't know who you are. You don't know who I am. We don't communicate. I can't even focus on building what we're building because you'll answer a freaking phone. And the reason why is because every time we get here, we're trying to have a conversation. You have nothing to say. I don't have to say in person because you ain't got to say off the camera. <laughs> Welcome you to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Married at First Sight Edition. This episode, if I have to just grade it from the top, I'm going to give it a B, leaning towards a B minus. I mean, listen, you guys, they can't all be bangers. We have to have establishing episodes. And I believe that this episode was more of an establishing episode than a dramatic one. But you know, with one couple, we're never really, but three inches away from just bullshit, chaos, negativity, and drama. So we got it all. We have it all, you guys. This episode was the infamous month anniversary episode. Now, to me, I felt like this was a little bit of a limp compared to other seasons. It just wasn't really giving what it was supposed to gave, you know? Um, I, mm, I feel like (laughs) the production makes it very obvious. Like they invest their money and their time into the couples that they think have the greatest shot at staying together. And then for the rest of them, (laughs) just like, well, 
you listen, we got you guys uh, a two for 15 deal at Carabas. So enjoy. Um, we're going to start off the episode. I mean, this is Mary at First Sight is one of the hardest episodes or shows to recap because you have, I mean, it, when it gets into like the group stuff and different individuals meeting up with each other, it makes it a little bit complicated to like format and talk about it. So I'm going to go by the run of the show. So I'm going to be going back and forth. I'm going to be doing like part one of the couples and then part two of the couples. You'll figure it out. I trust you guys. Okay. So we're set off with um, Clara and Ryan. And we're going to end with them, too. So Clara's moving her things into Ryan's house, just slowly, just a little bit by bit. And they go outside to play in the backyard. So Clara seems a little bit hesitant about moving in too quickly. Like, she's treating Ryan like he's a sleeping bear. Like, I don't want to do any sudden movements, no loud noises. I don't want to, like, upset what's going on here. Um, but on the other hand, her plan is to basically reorganize everything and make it a home for the both of them rather than her living in Ryan's house. Um, I like Clara, you guys, I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again, but every time I feel like I might be Clara because I'm thinking, gosh, if I were in that position, when she got excited about alphabetizing their DVDs, I was like, wow, this is like looking in a mirror. And somehow I'm looking in the mirror and I look like, you know, Ashley Simpson version one. But, you know, you know what I mean? Hypothetically speaking, it's like looking in a mirror. So Ryan, you can tell, is a little bit overwhelmed, which is exactly what Clara was (laughs) worried about. She's talking like, we need to get a new bed set. I'm only going to be bringing a lazy boy into the situation. We need, you know, I need to go through every cabinet, every nook, every cranny. We're getting rid of that um, cursed uh, shelf cabinets that you have, dresser that you have, that you stuff all your CrossFit outfits in. Like, full overhaul, bitch. Get ready. Why don't you gel your hair down some more? Strap in. Let's go. All right. Let's move on to Virginia and Eric. So (laughs) Virginia makes a picnic for Eric, complete with rosé. And Eric's like, gosh, I don't think anybody's ever made a picnic for me before. Virginia says that she, you know, is listening. She's a listening ear. And it's like an ask, believe, receive situation. She's picking things specifically that she thinks Eric would like and enjoy to show them that she's listening and that she appreciates the fact that he is very forthcoming with his love. He says, I love you more than anybody else. According to her. I believe it. I believe it. I have thoughts moving later. So earlier, Ryan, Clara, Virginia and Eric went out to eat. There really was not too much to talk about that. Virginia was talking, you know, like she and Clara got really close out of the girls. Ryan and Eric don't really know each other. Um, You know, she thinks it's just a man thing. I think Eric probably doesn't have black friends and he would like to keep it that way. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Virginia, you know, tells them, 
oh, I said, I love you. Or Eric told me he loved me. I said, I love you back. And Clara's just like, okay, cool. Like, I love you. I love that for you guys, you know? Ryan asked them, like, how quickly did you guys say I love you in past relationships? And Virginia's like, oh, you're asking because you've never said it, right? (laughs) Virginia, I always, like... I appreciate people who are blunt and straightforward, but I also understand that not everybody can or wants to handle that. So just the way that Virginia asks questions, much like when she asked uh, Patty Melt in Vegas if he knew that the baby was his, I can see why it would not feel good to hear. (laughs) But, But I appreciate her candor, if nothing else, right? So Eric then is like trying to figure out what Ryan's relationship history is. He's like, you've been in relationships. I know that. But like, what were your last relationships like? And Ryan's like, oh, you know, I had one for two and a half years. And Eric's like, wow. And you never told them you love them? Yeah. Great question. (laughs) Clara says to them, like, typically... In my past relationships, if we get to the six point, six month part, six month point, <laughs> and no, I love you to exchange, like there's something that must be going wrong. And Ryan is like, he seems like a guy who disassociates a lot, <laughs> like not in a, I, I, he just seems like he really doesn't say what he wants to say and I think, I don't know if it's the cameras, I don't know if it's the TV show, or I don't know if this is his background and just how he's used to navigating through the world, or maybe it's both. The way that Clara, who I trust implicitly, okay, the way that Clara speaks about Ryan and the relationship they have is really nothing like what we see on TV. So I'm wondering, is... I mean, Ryan has to be a completely different person off camera or is Clara really wanting to make this work? I kind of feel like he must be a different person because, well, I don't know, because it does seem like Clara is reaching an end of her rope. I'm really not sure. I'm really confused about Ryan. Then Clara says, you know, if you haven't dropped it by six months, I'm probably leaving. Sir, just so you know. (laughs) Um, Clara, you know, does tell the couple, Virginia and Eric, that she is slowly moving into Ryan's house and that she has like a friendship slash companion type love for Ryan. And Virginia's like, okay, are you guys headed in the love direction? And Ryan's like, yeah, you know, for sure. For sure. I think we're working towards that for sure. Okay, so back to Virginia and Eric, they start talking about what Ryan and Clara, right? And Eric's like, you know, I noticed Clara seemed a little bit stressed out. She seemed a little off, right? Virginia asks Eric, you know, how, how is living together going? And he says, you know, I think it's going well. I've done it before. And Virginia's like, you know, I don't really love when you say that. Do we have to invoke the ghosts of relationships past every time we have a conversation? And I get that. It's like, she understands. She's younger. You've been married before. You've lived with people before. Got it. Got it. Um, 
Eric is just like, no, you know, I'm just saying that because, you know, I've, I've had that experience before. I like, I know what it is. Like he asks, like, he acts like because he's had a life experience that Virginia has not had, that he is like the master of the domain, that he is like the king of what it's like to cohabitate with your partner. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, you've had that experience before. It is a very different experience to live with somebody that you are in a romantic relationship. Sure. But also we don't have to, why you got to keep bringing up old shit, Eric? with your old ass. Um, Then they start talking about how they don't want to live at each other's places. And Virginia's adamant that she does not want to move into Eric's house. She said it multiple times. We've all heard this, right? Eric says that Virginia's never said that before. (laughs) I've heard it, Eric. How have you not heard it? Um, She insists no, I did say that. And he was, he tries to get off on the technicality. He's like, no, you said that you felt like you didn't want to live there, but you didn't explicitly say that you don't want to live there. And Virginia's like, okay, well, I don't want to live there. Got it. <laughs> then Eric says, you know, it's going to be a process because he owns his place. She rents. And he's like, you know, it's going to take time for me to sell it. It's going to take time for us to find a new place to buy. Like, He's really explaining to her, like, she's stupid, the process of buying and selling a home. Right? Again, master of his domain. Like, he's like fucking Frederick Eklund, uh, fucking million dollar listing metropolitan Atlanta area. Okay? Million dollar listing Cobb County over here with Eric. Um, Yeah. I mean, Virginia says there are a lot of factors that go into why I have... Uh, concerns about moving in with you. First of all, I have three pets. I think it'll stress you out. And I would just feel like I'm a visitor at your place because I would feel like everything has to be perfect. I don't want to mess anything up. I don't want my animals to mess anything up. Virginia really, oh, things are really bubbling under the surface with them and they are not having the conversations. They are cartwheeling body rolling and pussy popping around the real issues, whatever they are. Like Virginia has clearly stated to us and production that she feels, and even to Eric, she did say this at Eric. Like, I feel like there is going to be a point where like, we're going to come to blows. She's been saying this. I have a question for you guys. Do you think, do you think that Virginia should just have said this once and let it go do you think that I mean my opinion is that Virginia keeps like heavily hinting at it Eric is not picking up what she's putting down he should be but he's not and I just wonder I waffle on whether it's her... I mean it is her responsibility if she feels like there is something going wrong it is her duty and her responsibility to communicate that to her partner But I also feel like she's waiting for Eric to pick up on things and start the conversation. And it's just not happening. But I I guess my real question is, do we think that Eric is picking up on what Virginia is trying to communicate to him? Or do you think that he's actively not listening to her and just love bombing her, horny bombing her, and putting... um, some real thick icing on a shit cake. That remains to be seen. That's the question for the week, you guys. 
ruminate that on, on that and let me know. In a confessional, Eric says that he wonders if Virginia is trying to find excuses not to live with him. And he still has a feeling that Virginia might get scared and run off, especially because she told him that she's done that in past relationships. So I guess I just answered my question is that he is picking up what she's putting down, but not quite. I think he lives in the past too much. Like everything in their relationship is being judged by what has happened in the past. A concern that Virginia has brought up with Eric before. He's not living in the present. Like he, I don't know. He's frustrating to me. So like I said, Eric is trying to mansplain how selling a house works. He's like, you know, I can't have two mortgages. I'm going to have to wait to sell my place. And Virginia's like, okay, well, I can just live at my place until then. And he starts talking about, you know, selling the house. And Virginia is like, I'm uncomfortable with the way that you're speaking to me. And Eric says, okay, well, if you want to come, you can come or you can go somewhere else. Yeah, thank you, Eric. Thank you. All right, y'all, let's move on to Jacob and Haley. So Haley's pulling it, grasping at straws here, okay? (laughs) She is trying to make this work, even though we all know Haley doesn't. Haley doesn't, okay? She, she, (laughs) Haley doesn't have much of a personality. Haley doesn't have much of a stake in this relationship. Haley is doesn't want to get fined so she's trying to like let's just get along i gotta share a bed with this man at this point i gotta figure something out so she says that she has a friend who is like a psychic tarot card reader natal chart reader this that and the third right so she invites this lady over to do like a natal chart reading to figure out their compatibility and see if this is actually something that might work if it's written in the stars or if it's written in hell. Okay. So the first thing that the tarot card picks up on is that there is aggressive and strong energy in their relationship and they need to release that energy because it's causing Haley to have anxiety. Okay. Did you pull your card or did you just sit there for five seconds? That's a question that we all have to ask. Okay. I am you know, an admirer and a respecter of the astrology arts, astrological arts, the cosmic arts, whatever. But, you know, sometimes we're just knocking on intuition in our two eyeballs. And I think that might be what's happening here. So then the Darah lady is like, is that ring true to you guys? And Haley's like, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm hmm. Then the tarot lady says, you know, she sees something about control and she thinks that Haley's trying to have the upper hand in this relationship. And Jacob says that basically Haley is the pace car in the relationship and that he's just trying to follow it, but he wants things too, right? So the tarot lady says, lady says that, you know, releasing that control will be helpful for the both of them. And Jacob's like, I agree. I think if you loosen up a little bit, we can move forward. And Haley's like, damn, like just me. (laughs) So the tarot lady says that their moon signs are compatible and that that's actually not really that common. 
Jacob says that the reading's kind of weird, but he's hoping that it'll move them forward. So the tarot lady starts talking about life. I mean, she's running the whole, this is like a poo-poo platter of the astrology arts. Like she is, we're pulling tarots. We're doing natal charts. We're doing life path. <laughs> she's got the life path numbers all penciled in. And she says, you know, Haley's a life path eight. Jacob is a six. I think I might be an eight. I think I am, which in eight and six, according to this lady are compatible. And Haley is like, wow, I did not expect that. <laughs> I mean, the lady doesn't, not that we see explain what the numbers mean. Like, what does an eight mean? What does a six mean? How do they complement each other? How do they not complement each other? She didn't really get into that. So hopefully she did. And we just didn't see it. Um, then Haley says in a confessional, you know, like, I'm surprised at how this lady picked up on defensive behavior. The lady ends by saying that they both need to practice unconditional love. Okay, well, good luck. <laughs> Moving on to Paige and Patty Melt. He invites Paige to go play basketball with him. As if this is like love and basketball part two. Okay. Um, he says that you know, Paige is really disappointed by the fact that Chris bought his baby mama new Mercedes, but she says she's going to keep pressing on. She shows up and, you know, her very cute, uh, you know, uh, athleisure. She's got her sports bra. She's got her jacket tied around her waist and her leggings. She's very cute. I guess you guys, I, every... They're like small parts of me that want to empathize and sympathize for Paige. But I told you guys, I made a promise to myself and, and to y'all that I'm done with Paige. And so I have to like remind myself that she is putting clown makeup on herself. And so I really can't and should not feel empathy for her. So, um, Chris <laughs> says in a confessional that he made a vow to page and to God and that he would not have committed to the process of the show and have married at first sight if he wasn't going to be fully invested. Okay. When have you been fully invested? <laughs> the last time we saw Chris be invested was before he saw page. And even then it was real shaky. It was really, really shaky and very dependent on whether or not this uh, future wife of his was going to be hot. We've been hanging on a, a very cooked angel hair pasta over here in terms of your investment, Chris. So let's, you know, turn it down a little bit. So they start, stop playing basketball. They sit down and Chris starts talking about goals honestly i assume that's what he was talking about y'all know damn well i'm not about to rewind and try and decipher what he's mumbling about i like <laughs> why did they not put captions on what he said like I, I don't and i can't and i'm not going to i don't know what he said but in the first half of this paragraph that he said but then he i was picking up what was happening in his mush mouth He's talking about um, how he wants to have three to five businesses. He wants to have kids, multiple kids, and to be happy. Okay. Well, it seems like 
you don't really have any of those now, even in real time in 2021. So how's that going? You have negative business. <laughs> Your business <laughs> was left out in a single parking space in a shopping center because your ass got evicted. So let's think about that. Um, Paige says, you know, they've experienced a lot of heavy storms <laughs> to the point where they don't even know what normal looks like for them. Chris says he's so talking about how he's like naturally an inver- introvert and how like people think that he's the life of the party. Who are these people? <laughs> where are they? <laughs> 404 not found um but he's really an introvert and that sometimes people think that he's rude when really he just needs that time for himself well that really sounds like a you problem okay like i understand that i mean i would say what chris said about himself in terms of being uh an extroverted introvert. Like people might think that I'm more extroverted than I am, but I really do need time to myself. But I know that that's true with me. I, I mean, based on what we've seen, the minute that Chris feels uncomfortable, he acts like an asshole. That's why people think that you're rude. Not because you need time to yourself. You know, like, like that's not you being an introvert. That's you being so overwhelmed with all the bullshit that you've created in your mind and in your life. And then you get found out and you want to turtle up and get in that shell. That's what people are thinking are rude is that you don't, being an introvert doesn't mean that you just get to do, you don't get to speak when you don't want to speak or, you know, like, that's not how that works. There is, you still have to be polite to people. And I don't feel like... He, he uses a lot of buzzwords to explain away his behavior. I mean, do I think that Chris is an introvert? Yes. I Well, I think that Chris is very insecure. And I think he doesn't know what to do with all of his insecurities. And... I... I'm not seeing this part where <laughs> he's ever been the life of the party. I I don't know. You're it, the only life we've seen you have is the life that you're bringing into this world. Let's be real. And <laughs> we can all agree that that, that has not been a party for anybody. Has it? <laughs> then Chris tries to <sighs> bring up, Sorry, then Paige brings up the fact that Pastor Craig told her about Chris's first engagement. And she's like, what's the story behind that? So Chris says, you know, I was 20 years old. I wanted to be married. We rushed into it. Then Paige asks how long they were together. And Chris says, I'm not telling you. (laughs) And then Paige makes his face like, well, look at me. I'm about to be Captain Dumbass again. Let me put on a hat. Good Lord. Um, He says that they broke up and they got back together and then she broke up with him and that was the end of their relationship. So even though he just said that he would not give Paige any information as to how long he was with this woman, Paige says, 
I feel like I'm getting to know you. I feel like I'm getting to know a stranger and that these were the types of conversations and interactions that we should have been having from day one. Then Paige says she feels like a caterpillar that never got out of the cocoon. And then she tells Chris that she appreciates hanging out that day and that she likes being with him. (laughs) And then Paige says in a confessional that she could tell that these moments were why that they why they were matched together and she's looking forward to the future because he told you 70% of a story. I mean, imagine being secretive about how long you were with somebody when you were 20, like just chalk it up to being 20 just say like, yeah, it was too young. You already said you rushed it. So tell the whole truth. Like, why do you have to keep it a secret under as to how long you guys were together. Who cares? (laughs) Maybe I'm speaking as a 35 year old, but if somebody I was with said like, Oh, you know, I got engaged when I was 20. We, we rushed it, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, yeah, okay. How long were you? I mean, I probably wouldn't even ask how long were they, they were together. But if I did, I would expect an answer. Like that's sketchy that you can't answer that. Like, because it doesn't matter. You were 20. It's, it's fine. Nobody's, nobody's dying over here. Anyway, fuck him. Um, Let's move on to, so at this point, okay, we didn't talk about Brianna, Paige, and Haley. They go out and Brianna says that things with Vincent are going really well. Um, But even though she's all in on the relationship, she's hesitant because it's just a lot for her. She says, you know, like just a little while ago, I was really single, like very, very single. And now I'm very not And it's a little bit overwhelming. But then she says, you know, on the other hand, Vincent has been really reassuring. He has been like telling me he's not going anywhere. And I notice when I'm working and I, if he senses that I feel stressed out or, you know, something that he'll, you know, come to me with open arms. Okay. And he's just been really, really supportive and really great. Paige starts talking about how important it is to communicate (laughs) non-verbally with respect to the hugs. And it's like, well, (laughs) I don't really know where you, I think you think you're saying something here, Paige, but you're not. Because, I mean, look at how non-verbal communication is working out for you. Okay. How's that going? Um, then Brianna asks Haley, like, how things are, how, how are things going with you and Jacob? And Haley's like, you know, it's been good and we're sharing the same bed now. So, you know, it's been some progress and, and she's, things are, you know, positive right now. So, um, let me get another drink, please. Thank you. Um, Haley tells production that she and Jacob were, hoping to be at the point where Brie and Vincent were both of them. But yeah, she, she's just trying to like figure things out at this point. She also says that Jacob tries to be affectionate and she's really just not there yet. And then she says, you know, like I'm just trying to figure out Jacob more and I'm trying to figure out like his sense of humor. And I'm picking up on the fact that his version of comedy is like (laughs) in the awkward, 
Like, he's got a lot of dry humor, right? Like, she says he'll dress wacky, but then he'll also say things that are, like, kind of awkward and it'll make people feel uncomfortable, but he's really joking and I just kind of wish that he would let me know <laughs> when he's joking so I don't sit there and be uncomfortable when he's really just playing with me, right? So he's not funny and he tries to get off on sticks and it's not working. Like imagine somebody telling you that like you need to explain when you're trying to be funny or not. That means that you're not being funny. <laughs> if I got to lay it all out for you, one of it's not working for one of us and considering well well, who's to say who's at fault here? If we're talking about Jacob and Haley, but I would say if Haley's not picking up what you're putting down, Jacob, you might want to try another path because she is out here real confused. Um, and she doesn't really want you to touch her. So maybe let's pivot to a different, let's open up another box and see how that goes. Um, so then Haley asks Paige, like, what is your expectation moving forward? And the page starts telling them about how Patty Melt got his baby mama a car and she's trying to clean it up. She's trying to give the best version of this story so that she doesn't look like, you know, she's the skipper on the high seas stupidity. The SS stupidity, USS stupidity, right? So she's saying, you know, like, oh, you know, Mercedes got into a car accident six years ago. She hasn't driven since then because she wasn't comfortable. But, you know, Chris didn't want her to not have a car when she's got a newborn kid and she, you know, she needs that transportation. Haley and Brianna immediately are like, okay, well, the baby's not here yet. <laughs> She's like barely halfway through her second semester or first semester trimester. Why do I always say semester trimester? <laughs> um, but people have been bringing things up and I appreciate that because I did not think about this as a person who's, you know, never had Chris put a baby in me. Thank God for that. Right. Um, so if we're talking about, you know, the way that pregnancy works, like the weeks, right? They're not exactly as clear cut as we think them to be. So a lot of people were saying, okay, if she, if Chris is telling Paige that homegirl's six weeks along, then that means not that they had six, sex six weeks ago, that it's actually a shorter amount of time, um, which means that he had sex with her even further into the process than we're led to believe. Mm. Something to think about, you guys. But yeah, like, does she need six months of practice? I mean, it sounds like you need therapy if you haven't been able to drive for six years because you're so traumatized like you need to talk to someone about that girl and I don't think it's your local Mercedes-Benz dealer but okay um 
So then Haley asks, like, okay, if her issue is being uncomfortable with driving, then why would there now be an all of a sudden switch to make her comfortable? And Paige is like, you know, I just feel like Chris was, you know, she's upset because he did not come to her as his her husband to make that decision. She says, you know, I don't even care if he came to me at the last minute and asked me. I just would have preferred that he asked me at all and clue me in on this conversation. Um, Haley and Brianna agree. Like, it's not about the money he spent. It's about treating her as your wife and as a couple. Um, in a confessional, Brianna says, you know, I know Paige wanted somebody who's, was ready to be married at that moment. Like she is, but Chris is acting like the opposite of that. And it's hard to watch. (laughs) Thank you, Brianna. Gosh, every time I think about Brianna, I think about Imani, which is not fair. I mean, it is fair because I love them both dearly, but I, every time I see Brianna keeping it real about the situation with Paige and Chris, I would just love to hear Amani's thoughts on that because she would be like, yo, this is some bullshit. <laughs> I mean, and that's basically what Brianna's saying, but I, I would just love to hear her, specifically Amani's opinion. I just miss Amani, okay? No, that's my truth. <laughs> so obviously... Paige trying to act like sugarcoat the situation didn't work. So she's trying another way. And she says, you know, we had Bible study the other day and Chris said he wanted to build a friendship and see where things go. And, you know, now we're trying to learn from each other and figure things out. And then Paige says the probably the smartest thing that she said is she's having a trouble separating, getting to know Chris now and reconciling that with what she already has experienced and knows from that. And that uh, the past has made a huge impact on trying to get to know him now. Right. Um, Paige says, you know, like I'm just dealing with a lot of hard truths right now and I'm learning how to process all of it. So back to the confessional with Brianna, she says, you know, that's a really messed up situation that they're in. And Chris is not taking Paige's feelings into consideration and he's playing games. And then we end that scene of the the girls' night out of Paige saying, you know, I'm trying to process if I'm falling in love, if I'm in love with the idea of being married, and if that's what's keeping me in this. Growth, girl. That's what we call growth. All right, Elsa, now it's time for the couples to celebrate their month anniversary. We start off with Brianna and Vincent, and this is what I'm talking about. Like, they invested their money in the couples that they feel strongest about. So Vincent surprises Brianna with a little river boat or lake tour on, you know, a pretty nice boat. Not a yacht, but not a dinghy either. It was nice. You know, it had like a roof deck. It had levels. It was cute. Brianna screams (laughs) when she sees the boat because he like had her cover her eyes and she's so excited and they sit down inside. They watch her wedding video and you guys, both of their faces as they're watching this traditionally, famously, historically, I find the, um, let's go through our wedding album. Let's watch the wedding video episodes to be so incredibly boring and not what I want to watch on TV, but this was the first time in any time of watching Married at First Sight 
that they are watching this video and I'm enjoying watching them watch this. Vincent's smile, I mean, lit up a room. Brianna looks, they both looked so happy <laughs> and it was absolutely adorable. Their faces light up. I mean, they look so cute together and just really, really happy. And it was a really, really heartwarming thing to say, just to watch. Um, then it says, you know, I'm the thing that I'm happiest about in our relationship in this first month is that you haven't run away and see, you know, that's something a real man says. Okay. I want you to just be grateful that I'm still here. <laughs> And then you let that be the the lighthouse that light that guides every decision that you make in our relationship. You just be happy I'm here. Happy wake up and be like, "Oh, thank God she's still here." And I'm going to do everything to make sure she stays. That's a man. That's a real man, okay? And suddenly, the time where he like practically cried in, you know, the So You Think You Can Dance rehearsal stage was faded away. It really, really worked wonders on me. <laughs> so um, then they go back up on the roof deck to eat dinner and Vince, Vinny pulls out a bottle of champagne. He's like, you know what? Last, one, last time I did this, we had an incident, but I'm hoping this time is better. <laughs> he manages to not spill the champagne. Thank you, God. Champagne Vinny has, you know, we've lived another day without Champagne Vinny, okay? Um, I am grateful for that. I'm really, like, I could not take another hissy fit out of him. I, and where was he going to go? <laughs> because they are not on shore at this point. They're cruising around at Lake Lanier or whatever lake they're, whichever lake they're at. And, like, what was he going to do? take off his suit jacket. Like he is fully looks like, um, homeboy from Gilligan's Island. The rich one. And I don't know what his, the professor, he looks like the professor. Um, I, what was he going to do? Like pull out a life raft, just swim, <laughs> just swim in some shoes with no socks on. I mean, I don't know what he was going to do, but, um, Brianna asked Vincent, like, if he feels married, and he says, you know, it's really, mm, like, yeah, but it's not really, like, a challenging thing. Like, I don't feel the weight of being married, right? And I, I'm just honestly, like, I wake up, and I'm just so motivated. I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about Cookie, her dog. Um, I'm thinking about our future. I'm thinking about the kids that I'm hoping that we're having, and I want to have this beautiful life, and have the house. I want all of my kids to have their own bedroom. I want to have a man cave. I want to have an 85 inch TV. And, and you know, I, he says in a confessional, like, I just can't explain how great it feels to be in love with her. And it's surreal. And then Brianna says, you know, like, I love that we're married and, you know, you love who I am. And I couldn't ask for anything more. Like, that's all I wanted. I can be myself. And you love that. And I just love their love. And I'm rooting for them. And I want them to be happy. And I want them to have little black Dominican babies. And I want them to be bilingual. And then I want them all to have beautiful smiles. And I want them to have their own bedrooms. <laughs> uh. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's over. Um, Let's see what everybody else is up to okay so uh, i said i was gonna end on ryan and claire but i'm just gonna i'm let's just get on out of the way <laughs> and you guys know that i like claire it's ryan it's ryan that i want to get out of the way so ryan arranged a, a helicopter ride for clara again budget thank you and she says you know i'm really happy about this because she wanted to take a helicopter ride when they were in vegas so she was just like really happy that Ryan remembered something she said and is executing it now. But you can, when they get there, you can tell that Clara's feeling some type of way. Things are tense. She's not really being her bubbly self. And she says, you know, like, it's been about a month now. We still have not had sex. And I don't know why. (laughs) I want her to get, like, is he going down on her? Because I feel like, ugh. What's happening? Like, are they really doing everything but? I I want to know. I want the details, okay? Even Ryan kind of seems like he's phoning it in a bit because Clara asks him, like, what, did, what have you enjoyed most about being together? And he kind of has to think about it. And then he says, oh, you know, just having you around. <laughs> but there was, like, a wall up when he said it. I don't know. Clara says in a confessional, you know, like, I just think that Ryan is looking for some big sign, some big moment before bringing sex and I love you into the equation. And I'm hoping that our one month anniversary is the big moment for him. (laughs) You can tell she is really hitting her limit with Ryan. (laughs) So, um, he, they go back to her house. They, excuse me, his house do the helicopter ride it's really beautiful the sun is setting welcome to atlanta where the players play you know you probably see the uh do they still have the so so deaf billboard in downtown atlanta i wonder if they do let me know if you guys live in atlanta if they still have that old so so deaf billboard up um but yeah so they go back to his house the backyard is you know finished ish um they have a romantic dinner. They have like, um, what do you call it? Those big projector screens, a big projector. And the screen is, uh, on the back of the house and they eat dinner. And in a voiceover, Clara says, you know, I don't want Ryan to feel like he has to say, I love you to me solely because we're married. Like I want him to want me and I want him to want to say that without feeling pressured to do that. 
So when they sit down, Ryan really has nothing to say. (laughs) And Clara says, you know, like, I do feel like Ryan acts like a man who loves his wife. And I'm ready to hear it. But then we see him not talking, not really making a whole lot of eye contact with her. The way he communicates with her is very, like, he... Like an impl- like he's talking to a coworker that he doesn't really like, but he's just keeping it nice and polite, and he's just very by the book. And again, I have to ask: we are all forced to ask: Is Ryan a different person off camera? Because who is this guy? I mean, he, this man has a personality of uh, a cold French fry, you know. And I know that that's a really unkind thing to say because we all know what a cold French fry doesn't give us, you know, is, is he hot and fresh and ready off camera or is a stale little nubbin of a, of a Krispy Kreme donut that's like hardened, you know, did I tell you guys I got vaccinated? (laughs) I didn't. I got vaccinated on Monday. You guys, I got the poke, got Moderna. And you guys know that there's, for those of you who aren't on Twitter, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, this has nothing to do with Married at First Sight, (laughs) y'all. Just letting you know if you have gotten vaccinated, that for the end of the year, Krispy Kreme is offering free donuts. I think you might have to bring your, like, vaccination card, I guess, but you get a free donut. And I'm assuming you can do this all day long, every day, if you want. Like, how are they going to know? They're not giving you a punch card. But anyway, there's, like, this big conversation on Twitter where these like big doctor accounts are talking about how unhealthy it is to have a donut. Like, girl, <laughs> we know the the opportunity of a free Krispy Kreme donut is not all of a sudden going to enlighten us into knowing that Krispy Kremes are not good for you. One lady actually did the calculations of if you guys, if you, if somebody gets a free donut every day, for the rest of the year, and they don't increase their activity level, then you will gain 15 pounds. And it's like, okay, well, nobody's doing that. They offered one free donut, y'all. And like, yes, you could game the system, but get over it. (laughs) Get over it. Anyway, I'm thinking about donuts because we're talking about Clara, right? Like Clara would be on my side. She would be like, this is a bullshit. Okay. But I have to say, you guys (laughs) all... I'm just talking, you guys. Am I lonely? I might be. But I have to tell you guys, like, my arm hurt like a bitch the second day. Like, woo. Woo. It was it was rough. But get vaccinated, please. Like, don't let me deter you. But it did hurt. It did not hurt getting it done. Like, honestly, it was the most pleasant uh, administering a needle in my arm situation I've ever had. I'm not, I get nervous, but I don't, I'm not like, I don't have like a, super low never mind (laughs) i will just say like if you guys have a fear of needles don't worry about it it was the most pleasant experience getting a shot i've ever had like it did not feel a thing like it it felt like somebody kind of lightly brushed their fingertip across my arm like it felt like truly nothing so don't be afraid of that if you have a fear of needles okay and now i will officially move on to the thing that i came here to talk about married at first sight so where are we going here? Ryan and Clara. Okay. 
So, um, Ryan asks Clara if this situation is everything that she thought it would be. And Clara says, you know, I really tried too hard not to think in t- too far into the future. I didn't really want to get my hopes up. Um, but I kind of think it, you know, like, obviously I had some kind of thought about it in the back of my mind and the thoughts that I did allow to have, I did, I recognize that this is what I wanted in a marriage. And I would just like her to clarify this because cold French fry, cold French fry. Okay. Um, so in a confessional interview, a producer asked Ryan, if he thinks he's falling in love with Sierra and he's like, uh, yeah, for sure. Like, I think we're getting there. Can we talk about his confessional fit? His confessional outfit is like, I don't know. Like he's wearing a backwards dad hat and I don't even know what material these jackets, it's kind of like a fuzzy material and it's got like a, a design, like whatever pattern he hideous, hideous. But what is that material? You guys, It's, it's like, a. Fleece, I guess it's, maybe it's just like fleece. I don't know. Um, but I don't, it, it's like a, as somebody who grew up in Georgia, it's like a particular, like his look is a particular look of a guy on like a Sunday afternoon in Athens, Georgia, or at the campus of Georgia Southern, definitely Kennesaw. Um, it, it was just very triggering to me. And I feel like, Ryan, you know, you're on TV, right? Like, why are you pulling up in your, uh, you know, like power hour outfit? It was just a strange vibe to me. Like you look like you're out, you know, outside of Brumby. <laughs> drinking before a one one o'clock game against Tennessee. I don't know. I don't know. Then he says, you know, like, I'm really trying to be intentional in the things that I say so that when I say I love you, like, I just want to make sure that it's coming from the heart. Ryan talks about love like it's a goal he's trying to meet on CrossFit. Like, it's strange. It's very, like, it's just very methodical and like sterilized. I I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm starting to feel a little bit bad for Claire because it kind of feels like even if Ryan does eventually tell her, I love you. I don't know if he's going to be able to love her in the way that she wants and needs to be loved. Like, I think she kind of needs, I don't think she needs like big displays and all of that, but I think she does need enough to feel comfortable. And I, he just approaches relationships and, and love through such an analytical way. I just, I don't know if this is going to be a good fit for Clara, even when she technically gets what she wants, which is an, I love you and some dick, you know? Like, he's really going to have to bring it to her in the penis department if, and he started off so strong, right? Like, with those vows about how I, I haven't known you that, like, um, but you've been there my whole life. Like, I knew I loved you before I met you, like, on some Savage Garden shit. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like he started off talking a big, good game. 
he, you know, he got her that JBL speaker with his playlist of music. And then I just don't know if that was a performance of what he thinks romance and love should be really if we were going to have a sit down if we're going to have another sit down with the ex I would like that to be Clara and the ex that Ryan was in a relationship for two and a half years and never said I love you to I want to know more about that how that happened girl so anyway after dinner they sit down in the backyard they watch your wedding uh, video on the projector Something that I noticed that they probably couldn't even see very well because how they had to set up the lighting to actually film them, they probably couldn't see the screen very well, I would think. Um, So as they watch the vows, Clara tells Ryan, you know, your vows sounded like something that you could have easily said five years into our relationship. And they sound like they were written for somebody that he already knew. And it's like, yeah, that's what... Clara, those... That, like, <laughs> like, I know that you think they're special. And, yeah, I guess they do sound like something someone would say when they were years into a relationship. But I just feel like this, I don't know. I just feel like he has a very warped view of romance. I really, really do. Um, Then in a voiceover, Clara says, it, you know, it's hard to write vows for somebody that you don't know. So... I think what Ryan and I did was just wrote about the person that we wanted to be with and the person that we needed. And after reflecting on the past month, I'm not sure if I'm what I'm going to say on decision day. And I'm officially calling bullshit on this because they were doing some pretty tricky things with, um, you know, as an aficionado of reality TV, I know that sometimes they'll be like ADR where behind after the fact the cast member is going to have to come in and maybe they didn't pick up on the right audio so they have to re-record what is said or they say something that really was meant for another situation and they're splicing and dicing and editing so what i noticed that they did is that when she said that they start with her in the confessional and then they move you see her say like a couple words right she says like you know the part about uh, writing vows, right? And how they wrote for who they needed and who they wanted. So we see her start to say that. And then they cut to them watching the video, the wedding video. And then she says, uh, you know, reflecting on the past month, I'm not sure if this is like, I'm not sure what I'm going to say on decision day. But they don't pan back to her until she says on decision day. I just, I feel like she was saying something else, but they just made it, they put it in there, inserted it in there. (laughs) My brain, my brain. They inserted that little part in there to make it more dramatic than it was. I don't think she was saying, I'm not sure what I'm going to say on decision day because they literally just showed her say on decision day. I think that this was two parts of different conversations to create drama for the show. And that's, I'm, I'm sticking to that. So then we see something that I don't think we've had, we've seen out of this couple since the wedding day, which is that Ryan actually kisses Clara. Granted, he kisses her on the forehead. But considering he's been giving us absolutely nothing, it's practically like he pulled his pants down and and socked it to her right there on TV. So, growth. 
growth and um, progress, you guys. All right, let's move on to Eric and Virginia. So Eric, for their month anniversary, takes Virginia to his family's airplane hangar because that's normal. <laughs> okay. And he's going to take Virginia out on a flight on one of those like old uh, Wright Brothers kind of airplanes, basically, right? It's It's like they're sitting, like she has to sit behind him. They can't sit next to each other. Like it's a two-seater plane right um so they pulled up in this like luxury car i don't know what kind of like sport coupe he's got it it just all felt like how much money does your family have (laughs) like what's really going on is he just a pilot pilots don't have money like that for you guys to have your own personal family hangar right i don't think pilots make that much how what i have questions so They go through their wedding album and Virginia realizes what we all noticed, which is Virginia's open mouth cackling basically every moment of the ceremony. Like all her pictures are, she's like, (laughs) Virginia starts talking about, um, okay, we got to pause because I'm just remembering this now. Can we all just... Give a clap to Virginia for um, not using a spackling tool to put her foundation on. I did not see purple anywhere. Not under her eyes. Not under under her eyes because that's where it likes to roam. Um, Not even her nail polish. Her nail polish is black. And she looked great. She looked like somebody kind of sober did her hair and makeup. It was a real improvement. So, you know, you know, thank God for those blessings. We got a break from that, at least. Um, Virginia starts talking about how, you know, things like this, like, as they're in the plane, like, it's things like this that make me feel like Eric is going above and beyond. And, like, I don't want to yuck your young girl, but he's doing this because he has to. Like, because you were on a show and you guys needed an activity to do for your month anniversary. But, you know... Whatever. I, do I feel like Eric would probably have done that anyway? At some point, sure. Maybe not in the month in, but at some point, he would have flown you somewhere, right? Um, but then they go back to the hangar, and they have dinner, they exchange gifts, and Virginia gives Eric a blanket. <laughs> One of those blankets that, like, you know, they superimpose, like, a picture of you. And it was a picture of her holding his Boston Terrier dog, Tex. And you could tell Eric was like why Virginia's like you can bring this with you like on your flight like what is he gonna do put it over his lap <laughs> like he's somebody's grandma like w- he take it on the plane for what? <laughs> for what he's trying to be a good sport about it but you could tell he was like mm, no thank you and the way he rolled that up that blanket up was just like please just just roll it up I don't want to see this gigantic picture of my wife and my dog it does not look good you know, maybe it looks better in life size than it does blown up on the 72 by 68 blanket. Not, not great. Not great, Erica or Virginia, but whatever. Um, then she gives him one of those like voucher coupon books that people give. You can get it like a Spencer's gifts and, you know, gives you like, oh, here's one. Take the trash out. Here's one uh, hand job. 
in a movie theater, you know, whatever they're, whatever those things say, I don't know. Um, so that was her gift. And then Eric gives a framed, like a poster size framed photo, not photo really. It's just like a, it was the coordinates of the venue where they met, right? She obviously was confused at first, but then she got really excited. I actually thought that was like a pretty cute gift. Like to think about like all of the wedding shit, all of the wedding swag, all of the like wedding theme decor that newlyweds put in their house. Like, you know, the, um, like he meet the Smiths established 2019, you know, um, here, you know, here's a picture of us, you know, (laughs) that was like a cute thing. It's kind of a conversation piece. It's, and it looked cute. Like it looked, it wasn't like a live, laugh, love font. It wasn't like there was no, you know, reclaimed wood on it. You know, it was just, just like a very, I liked it. I fucked with the vibe. And I really hate to say that about somebody who's clearly a Trump supporter and does not, um, support Black Lives Matter. I mean, it was a decent gift. Okay. Um, so Virginia asks, like, did you think this is where we would be at this point? And Eric's like, no, I didn't, but it's actually gone a lot better than I thought it would. I didn't want to get my hopes up. Kind of, you know, kind of like what Clara was saying. I was afraid of getting hurt. Virginia is like, okay, well, where do you think we are since saying I love you? And Eric says, you know, I think every day my love for you grows just a little bit more and more. Virginia does admit that she worries that Eric is going to hurt her. And even though she knows that Eric is scared of being hurt, she is too. And just because, you know, she's like, just because my relationship, my last breakup was five years ago, doesn't mean that, like, I don't know what it is to hurt. It doesn't make it any less painful. They agree that, like, the concerns that they have aren't specific to each other, but it's more of like a general concern that you have when a relationship's going well. It's like, there is that little demon in the back of your mind that's like, oh, I hope this doesn't end. I, again, I'm going to have to call bullshit on this. Like, I don't think Virginia's happy. I think Eric is only happy because he's making himself be happy. I think... I think things, I think that they're really like keeping it cute for each other. They're keeping like a, a stiff upper lip. And I just don't think, I think things are going to come to a head. I think they're, they're really keeping it cute. And I think things are going to get real dramatic later. Okay. Should we end on Chris and Paige or should we end on Haley and Jacob? I think... I think we're going to end on Chris and Paige. So let's go to wrap up Haley and Jacob. So they go to a wine tasting and Haley says that like, since they did the tarot card thing that they're trying to look in a more positive direction. So they sit down to eat and reflect on the past month. And Jacob says, you know, obviously neither of us are where we want to be, but I feel pretty good about us being friends as opposed to fighting all the time. And he says, you know, like I recognize 
I recognize that when I would press you, it would just make things worse. And Haley's like, yeah, I mean, both of us. Like, she takes ownership on herself. Both of us try to push each other, and it only makes things worse. And in a confessional, Jacob says, you know, we don't have that, like, married couple bond with each other, but... I'm trying to be hopeful and the past few days we've been able to communicate and talk and be present and I'm just hoping we can continue that. So then they have like a basket, a basket that everybody got and it's got like little swag things. It looks like there was a bag of coffee and some Godiva chocolates and it had their wedding album and just like some other things, right? So they go through their wedding album and (sighs) Jacob, I have been leaning in your direction of being hashtag team Jacob, but I had to let this go. He's too petty and he's got too much damage. And honestly, like, I'm not going to act like I'm perfect. I've definitely been in situations where like things are kind of going, like you're coming off of a, of a fight or some drama or hurt feelings or whatever, and you're doing well and you're kind of like on shaky ground, but things are moving in you guys are at least trying to move in a positive direction but then Jacob bursts the bubble he just like he may as well just like kicked that table over and been like fuck you bitch because it's basically what he did like he cannot keep his petty to himself and Jacob needs to grow up and stop like truly like the last times he was like petty and short with her I thought it was funny (laughs) But now that Haley is genuinely, consistently trying with him, like, where did he think this was going to go? Did he think this was going to be a productive conversation? Or is he already checked out and saying, like, well, I'm just going to blow this shit up and we're going to have the hard conversations because I'm not invested anyway. I don't give a fuck about you. That's what it's feeling like. And it's getting weird. It's getting weird. So then, you know, he starts off by saying, how did we get here? And you could tell Haley immediately freezes up. You could tell her anxiety meter goes up and she says about what he just said. So then we get a flashback to their first kiss. And we hear Jacob say that, you know, looking back on that moment when I kissed her, I did have a weird feeling that she was like trying to pull away. And when they show that moment, she... He leaned into her. I think he may have grabbed her face. And then she kind of, like, when they, like, she let him kiss her. But when he released, she was kind of, like, jerked back, like, ricocheted back, like, oh! (laughs) And, like, tried to, like, laugh. And, like, it was, like, awkward. And it was an awkward laughter. And it did, like, looking back on it, it does seem like she was like, oh, (laughs) please release me from this death grip. Um, Haley tries to say, like, you know, all we can do now is be positive. Jacob, can we be positive and try and move forward? (laughs) But Jacob, like I said, is being weird again. So Haley is like, what's going on? What's happening? Jacob says, you know, like, I don't disagree with what you said about, like, us being more positive, but, and moving forward, but... You know, like, I just don't know how to approach having a connection with you. And then he says, like, it feels like Haley kind of looks past him. And she asks him what he means by that. And he says, you know, like, I feel like we're in, when we're in a room that you kind of act like I am not there. 
So I don't really know how to try and bridge a connection with you because it doesn't feel like you want a connection with me. Then it gets back to the attraction. And this is where, like, I mean, it was clear before, but now it is really being pulled into focus that he does not know how to get past the physical aspect being wanted and expressing your emo- like it seems like he only he keeps reverting back to being like physically affectionate with her even though she has said I need to feel comfortable with somebody before I get there right hasn't she said this or am I tripping Jacob starts saying you know there are reasons why you're not attracted to me and I feel like you're not sharing all of those reasons and Haley's like no I think I have shared all those reasons so well Jacob says you know that basically means that you don't like me and Haley's like there's no romantic connection and I usually don't have a problem connecting people And I know that it's frustrating for you, but it's frustrating for me too. And Chris says, you know, like, I've just never been with anybody who doesn't have any attraction for me. So it's just like really difficult to approach you or woo you. And that's why I feel like you look past me. Time out. Yes. You should not be, I mean, everybody, most, well, not Paige, but most people can say (laughs) that they have not been in relationships with people who are just flat out not attracted to him. I get that. But are you understanding that you like push, push, pushing her to be physically affectionate with you is what is causing this issue? And he's taking the shit personally, but he's not taking ownership of the fact that he's making things worse. Like he doesn't seem to recognize that what he's doing is not okay. And I think... You know, for many women, we've been in a situation where a man has made us feel uncomfortable, where he has tried to, you know, maybe put affection on us or force affection on us that we didn't want. And I'm not going to go too deep with this because, you know, I'm not going to put any names on Jacob, but I feel like he's really not reading the room and he doesn't understand that she's not comfortable and that you guys have, cause so what I think is happening, what I think is happening behind the scenes or even in front, in front of the scenes is that like they will have like a good conversation or a good 15 to 30 minutes. And then he thinks that is an in to be like, where my hug at? Can I kiss you? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, it's triggering her (laughs) and it's making her go back to square one. And so they're constantly doing this like groundhog day thing of where it's like the same shit, different day. And he's not picking up on that. And I just, like I said, why did he not pick up on the fact that after they had sex in Vegas, that she pulled away from him? Why does he not pick up on the fact that when he asks for affection, she says, no, that's not a sign to make yourself a victim. That is a time for you to navigate in a different way. He has expectations that she'll be physical with him and he should not. Right? (laughs) Like he, 
he expects it and he sh- he really really shouldn't so then <sighs> chris says you know like like i said i've never been with anybody who doesn't have attraction for me Haley says you know i don't want you to feel that way outside production interviews Haley, and she says you know i i was hopeful in the beginning but we hit a roadblock and it's not fair that either of them don't put their full effort into the situation. So back at the table, Haley says, you know, I really didn't know I was giving off the impression of like acting like you don't exist. Right. And I didn't know that you felt that way. And then she's like, well, how long have you been feeling that way? And he's like, well, since day four. (laughs) And then when he starts talking about the days, it really pulls into perspective, like, how short this process is and when he talks about like oh you know on days one and two I felt x but day four things took a turn and it's like well you have to talk about it in terms of that like just call it (laughs) this relationship is DOA like if we're talking about this in terms like he talks about them in terms of like them being at a summer camp like you know and like have you guys ever been to camp where it's like you get there and on by day three, even if you're at like a week long camp, by day three, it's like your whole world, right? It, it, this camp is your entire universe and everything is such a big deal. And then like, maybe you'll have these like camp romances and then you're sitting there having these conversations about like, you know, when we, week two, we met and we got together, but now we're like three days later and it's like, I just don't know what happened to you. It's like, I don't know you, right? <laughs> these are fun conversations to have when you're an adolescent uh jacob you're 38 we don't need to be counting which specific days things like you're clearly overthinking this and you're making it weird and awkward and these are the things that are making her get turned off by you jacob why are we not seeing this why are we not seeing this But anyway, Jacob says, you know, I was receptive in the first four days. I was enjoying those days, but I didn't, you know, you know, like I didn't understand or know that, like, I didn't know if you were enjoying it. And, you know, since then, day four, we've not had a connection. And apparently the connection we had before that in those first three days wasn't real. (laughs) Then he asked her to tell him if the connection that he felt in the first day was the same connection that she felt like do you really need that validation (laughs) it's weird Haley says you know like I'm sorry for you know like tensing up or backing up and but I've told you like a middle a million times that I need to have a connection before I'm cool with you basically touching all over me and being physical Jacob outside tells production, you know, that his relationship is like one day I wake up and I feel great. And then other days I wake up and I feel dead inside. Jacob is really adamant that he's not really trying to be physical with, with her outside of like the one uh, activity that Dr. Viviana told them to do, which is to, uh, you know, like hug. Right. And that basically like, Every time they hug that uh, Haley gives a disgusted sigh. So he's like, you know, like, I'm just done trying that. And then Haley says, 
you know, like, I just feel like it always comes back to something physical with you. And Jacob's like, well, it's just a hug. And it's like, no, it's, it's not just a hug. It's just a hug when you guys are on good terms, but it's more than that when you're not. And when a woman does not feel comfortable around a man, you need to pick up on that. Like, it's not Haley's response. I mean, Haley should speak up for herself and advocate for herself, right? She should. But she does. And I don't really know, like, how many times and how many ways and how many different ways Haley can say, you are a, a presence that does not make me feel comfortable because he's just going, he's not going to understand. He's just going to say like, oh, well, you're not attracted to me. So what am I doing? And it's like, well, that again is not attractive. It's not an attractive thing to say. It's not an attractive thing to hear because I think she's, there's still like a tiny little window open for them to get on a good pace. But like every time it's like two steps forward, five steps back with them. Like she cannot win for losing with this dude. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget. Check out quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Then Jacob tells Haley that, you know, it feels like she's putting too much weight into things because they're married and she feels trapped, maybe. And he's like, well, you can hug strangers with no problem. And Haley's like, well, yeah. And then I never see them again. And Jacob says, well, <laughs> Jacob says, well, don't worry about it because in four weeks you're not going to see me again. And Haley's like, okay, well, what are we doing here then? And Jacob's like, I don't know. <laughs> And Haley says, I just feel like we keep getting back to square one. And Jacob says, you know, I'm just kind of done with it. Jacob says, you know, they're building walls. And the reality of the situation is that they're going to just let this relationship die a slow death. And basically at this point, they would have to get struck by lightning to like each other and stay married. Outside, Haley's talking to production. She's getting emotional, starting to tear up and says, you know, like, I just don't know how much left I have to give to this situation. And this point... I have to be a little bit team Haley because I just feel like he's acting like a dickhead who is really not listening. I think he's being really defensive. I think he's got a lot of skeletons in his closet and emotional baggage that he needs to work out. And he's putting all his insecurities from his past relationship onto Haley. And I think it was fair for about a couple situations, but ultimately at this point, 
I feel confident in saying that Haley is actively trying, not in the way that like Patty Melt is quote unquote trying, but she's trying to turn things around and he just wants to be a petty betty about it. And I get it. Like pack your knives and go sis, pack your knives and go. Okay, you guys, you know what time it is. We're getting to the end of the episode, which means we have to end on Patty Melt and Paige and here go hell come. Ugh. So we see Chris and Paige using more of the apartment complex's facilities. <laughs> this time they're going to be playing billiards. Chris, I mean, this was so representative of both of them. Chris says that he just came from work, so he walks in in this, like, blue checked suit. A suit that I would say that I liked if it wasn't being worn by this idiot. But since it's Chris, I'm just going to say that it looked like it came from the Steve Harvey collection or maybe, uh, you know, one of Ryan Seacrest's old leftovers from American Idol in the first couple seasons where they didn't have the budget. Something like that. Um, Paige, however, is in a crop top, another crop top, and jeans. And like I said, this is like the perfect metaphor for their relationship. Like, Paige looks like a girl who is incredibly naive and a target for scamming. And Chris looks like he is ready to tell her that she can get a free lunch, you know, free little Chick-fil-A sandwich and a small fry if you come to my talk about timeshares. Chris starts talking about all this shit, about how bad Paige is at pool, but, oh, wouldn't you know, like clockwork, as soon as he, like, he also sucks, but he's also got, like, every excuse in the world as to why, you know, why he missed a shot. The table's uneven, the wall's in my way, uh, the wind blew at a 45-degree angle for three seconds, like, girl, give it up. In a confessional, Patty Melt says that he's starting to see Paige in a different light and then he's attracted to her and he thinks that she's beautiful and they're in a better headspace. Have we not heard that song about seven times before? Why does this man think (laughs) that his attraction to Paige is what's keeping them together? You know what? You know what? He's right. He's right. (laughs) Unfortunately, he's not wrong. He's clearly the one who is uh, leading the charge in this relationship. Damn. See, Paige, now you have to be... I'm out here having to admit that I think Chris is right. And it's just really about you being a dumbass. Mm -mm -mm. It's a tragedy for all of us, really. Paige starts talking about how, you know, they're doing the work to build up their connection. But in terms of digging deeper, she thinks that they're having a hard time and that they really haven't been consistent in communicating and that's contributing to that. Then <laughs> You hear that? The bullshit train's coming. Right on time. Right on time pulling into the station. Chris says that he's called Paige a few times to hang out, but she didn't pick up the phone. And he feels like Paige is ignoring him on purpose. She should be ignoring you on purpose, Chris. Let's just be clear about that. She should be. (laughs) Paige says, you called me. I was with my mom. And you could have texted me. Like, if you really wanted to hang out that bad, why didn't you text me? And Chris is like, oh, you know, I don't like to text. I'm more of a phone call person. You know what? The great Dorinda Medley said, say it, forget it, write it, regret it. 
And you know what? I fully believe that Chris doesn't like texting because he doesn't like to have receipts that people can pull up and use against him later. That's my truth. Then this little bitch says, my problem with you. (laughs) My problem with you. Imagine him having the nerve to start any sentence by telling Paige, my problem with you. Oh my God. My problem with you has been communication. It shouldn't be hard to communicate with somebody that you like. From a communication standpoint, I don't feel like you're trying. (laughs) Fortunately, the editors decide to flash back to 23 days earlier in which Paige confronted Chris about his lack of communication and how he basically went in about all the things he that she did not do to get that information from him. So now it's his fault. Um, then Chris says, you know, I don't really think we're doing a good job at being spouses. <laughs> you think? You think, Chris? Um, yeah, I think we were past um, not doing a good job when you told the woman that you married and had sex with twice that you weren't physically attracted to her. I think we're past the good job stage (laughs) like thanks for joining the rest of us chris 2020 was the real the year that chris was realizing things um she says like page says you know i don't understand how you could say that like i'm committed to seeing this process through but then you're i don't understand how you could say that you were so committed to seeing this process through and then shut me down and Chris starts talking about his needs and how Paige is not meeting his needs emotionally. And Paige says, you know, for you to say that I'm not meeting your emotional needs, like, where were you when I needed you emotionally? <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, you don't know me from a hole in the wall and like, you don't owe me anything because we are still strangers. But I feel like. We decided to put our names on a sheet of paper that said we were bound to each other. And I at least expect that kind of respect to see this process through. And Chris says, what process? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I'm screaming, (laughs) y'all. What process? What do you think you have your mic pack on for, sir? What do you think these random people in, in masks are... Putting cameras and boom mics in your face. What process? What do you mean? Paige says, you know, we have to go through things. And I feel like you don't respect me. So Chris says, you know, like, yeah, we're married, but I don't know who you are. And Paige says, yeah, the reason why is because every time we come together, you don't have anything to say. Thank you. Much like, uh, Chris, you playing this grand um, meet my baby mama summit how many weeks ago and then when we got together you had nothing to say (laughs) remember every time he calls her to have some talk he forces her in a position of having to initiate the conversation steer where the conversation is going he has nothing to say he has nothing to say to her 
Chris comes back and says the page has nothing to say to him off camera. So now he's pointing the fingers at basically she is two different people and that she's only on for the cameras. So Paige says in a confessional, you know, like I have a life just like Chris does and he can't expect me to drop everything every time he wants to communicate with me. Every time he calls me, I can't, I'm not necessarily able to pick up the phone. So if that way of communication is not working, try another way that I can speak to you, but you don't want to do that. You've basically shut off text messages from our communication and in 2020 to say I don't want to text you (laughs) isn't gonna work my guy none of this is gonna work (sighs) we're in hell (laughs) all of us we're all in hell (laughs) oh my gosh so then Chris says you know like I don't have a connection with you we are 100% emotionally disconnected and I'm out mentally I'm gone Paige gets up off the couch and Chris says, you know, I want to be in a serious relationship. And Paige says, so do I. (laughs) Then Chris starts talking. He starts doing all this thing. Like I've called you like five or seven times and you don't answer. And that feels like a rejection to me. And like, you can do whatever you want on camera. You can hug me. You can kiss me. But the truth is when the cameras aren't following, the cameras aren't going to be following us for the rest of our lives. And if it's not real now, it's not going to be real when they leave. I think we're at a dead end. Paige starts to cry and probably pray to that God of hers again. Who knows? And then in a confessional, Paige says, you know, I'm disturbed. <laughs> and, you know, like I wanted to be with a partner that I could grow with and be with. And that Chris threw that opportunity away. I want to feel bad for her. You guys like I want to like the good person inside of me wants to feel bad for her. But like at this point, I have to laugh, laugh because look at this girl. Crying in a crop top at her apartment building's clubhouse over a man who looks and acts like a subway meatball who's been, that's like gone on the ground. You know, it's got a couple of hairs on it, some germs, you know, maybe somebody stepped on it, one of their work shoes, like she's playing herself, you know, she's playing herself. So of course, when it comes time for their anniversary, their month anniversary, we find Paige sitting alone. At her apartment, slash their apartment, alone, looking stupid, going through their wedding album, alone. (laughs) So, we hear Paige say in a voiceover, you know, like, I wanted to be a wife more than anything, and I believe that this was my answered prayer, and my dream manifested. I believe that it was my dream manifested to get married at first sight. And I believe everything happens for a reason, so... You know, maybe it's for the best that Chris didn't show up for the anniversary. That poor thing has to sit and watch her wedding video by herself. Her little booties kicked up on her ankles in a gray dress. Alone. (laughs) Alone. I want to know if she is even staying in that apartment or if she's just like, if if we're not going to be here as a couple, then why am I here? Because I feel like we never see her like getting ready or anything like that. I I really wonder if she's just at that apartment to film. I'm very curious about that. Um, or I wonder if they told, if production said, like, one of you guys has to live in this apartment. So, I mean, clearly Paige is going to be you. I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I have a lot of questions. So, a producer asks Paige, like, what are your next steps? And how do you move forward in this process? And Paige is like, I don't. <laughs> 
I'm not moving forward in this process. I definitely still want love and marriage and kids and a family. And I definitely feel like those things are going to come in God's time. So the main lesson that I've learned is to just be true to myself. And it's like, okay. (laughs) Do I think that Chris, do I think that Patty might have a point when he's talking about filming and how she's only present filming? No, because I feel like I said last week that it seems like he is only present in this relationship when they're filming. I don't believe that. And if she doesn't want to pick up your call, sir, you need to look within. I don't know what's in there. Probably nothing. (laughs) But some shredded lettuce and I don't like cold cuts with that shimmery rainbow thing on it some roast beef some leftover roast beef and some shredded lettuce and bullshit just a ton of bullshit um i i'm loath to say that i'm looking forward to Paige and patty melts um storyline but i am i'm curious to see where they go is this actually the end it it hasn't been yet so i'm looking forward to seeing yet another like a moment where Chris says, you know, I am more attracted to you because you're, you know, you read that Bible verse really well. And like, I think we're moving forward. And then she gives that little smile of like, maybe this isn't the end for us. Like, maybe this is our journey. <laughs> Let me get my duty and Burke purse and like, let's go out, Chris. Girl, I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think? All right. Let me know. You guys can follow me at everyone's business but mine on Instagram. And when I post the announcement for this episode, let me know what you guys think. Where your heads, where your hearts are at, where your minds are at, who you're rooting for, who you're not rooting for. I want to know specifically, are you guys team Haley or team Jacob in this? And team Claire or team team Ryan? Let me know. All right. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Bye.